On today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, we'll be speaking with Shelley Rose Charvet. Shelley is the best-selling author of Words That Change Minds and has been a leader in the NLP world since 1982. Today, she'll give us a sneak peek at the book she's working on now that reveals 10 critical distinctions between the traditional male and the traditional female model operational metaphors and how knowing these differences could transform your coaching. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Ah, Shelly Rose Chervais, it's so nice to meet you finally. Yes, after all these years, I can't believe we haven't done this before. I know, it's really true. That's one of the great things about having this podcast is I'm meeting people that I've never met before. It's it's a, a wonderful virtual world now, mm. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. By the way, did I say your name right? Yes, Shelly's my first name and I have two surnames, Rose and then Charvet. Oh, Rose is a surname. Uh, yes. Although since I've been a child, when people say, write your surname here, because it was my maiden name, uh, I would write Rose and they'd go, no, dear, your surname. <laughs> like, I didn't know what my name was. It still amuses me when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, it almost <laughs> happened right now. <laughs> no, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that, you know, Ever since childhood, words have been a big part of your life, haven't they? They definitely have. Definitely have. Language, how people use language, it's been uh, a passion of mine. I'm now learning my fourth language. Oh, is that right? Really? Yes, I'm going against what Oscar Wilde said. My husband is a German engineer, and I, for the last few years, I've been actively and passively learning German. And of course, I believe it was Oscar Wilde who said, life's too short to learn German. And I think he has a point. <laughs> <laughs> what what other languages do you know besides obviously English in this English, case? I speak English pretty pretty damn good, you know. And um, uh, French is my second language. I did all of my university in French uh, back in those days. Pierre Trudeau was handing out money for people to study in what was then called your second language. So I did. I did uh, my degree in um, uh, French and worked in French and worked in bilingual jobs. Lived in France. Wow. And so my French is just about as good as my English. I speak two dialects of French and two dialects of English. Come from a British Jewish family, so I can do the I could do the East End kind of thing because I got all my cousins there. <laughs> so, and my father was not an East Ender; he came from North London, so they had to leave, right? Because they were the wrong classes put together. Right. They escaped yeah, yeah. my grandmother and came to Canada. And of course, then there's Canadian French and French French. When near the mid, in the, well, Ne'er shall they meet. So, <laughs> I went. I was a student in London, and I went across the um, the ferry to France, and I, I befriended a French Canadian. And I thought this is going to be great because he speaks French. <laughs> we landed in France, and it's like didn't matter. He no one understood him. Well, and people would say, depends how country he accent he had, but people would say, oh, don't act so, mon mignon, your accent is so cute. And I went, 
I'm trying to tell you something, and all you can do is listen to my accent. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, drove me nuts. So I accidentally came home with more of a French accent after living in France for seven years, and I had to get rid of that. It's so fixed, so pronto. Can you imagine an American going to the UK and coming back with a British accent? How well that would go over? Oh Not yeah, really well. Yeah. So. <laughs> It sort of depends which British accent it would be, however, wouldn't it? Yeah. There are so well, many if you of came them. back from the East End, it just would be yeah. amusing. But then no one would listen to what you said. Sorry, that's my uh, grandfather used to speak that's like very that. That's very good. That's very good. It's so interesting to me because, you know, I have a friend who lives in, in, uh, in Leeds. And if, when you write them a letter, you got to like say the name of the house. I mean, they've named the house and you got to put all these things in there. And yet they're so proud about the, their postal codes that you can like leave everything off and just put the postal code in the name and the postal code and they'll get to them. Get so, them and I'm going like, so what do you need all this other stuff for? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do that and just make it simple. But no, no. But it's also interesting that everybody over there seems to be able to tell exactly where you're from by your accent. Oh, absolutely. And in London, where my folks are from, uh, you can tell what social class, of course, all the way through the UK, yeah. you can tell what social class you come from the second you open your mouth, but also what district in London you come from. Right, exactly. As well as the social what, class. So what side of the street. Too. Yeah, that's right, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, so who needs a postal code? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm glad we had this little talk. Um, hey, do you want to talk anything about like coaching or NLP or and stuff? Um, yes, one of the things we had talked about uh, that may be of uh, great interest to coaches uh, is some of the work that I've been doing on uh, differences between men and women and why they matter. And this comes from a lot of other people's research. I can't call what I do research. I look at what other people do, zoom out and go, well, what does this mean and why does it matter? And for quite a few years, I've been looking at some of the fundamental differences that come from values, constellations, and context. So it's how people operate. And I've come up with 10 fundamental differences in the work environment. And today I'd like to talk with you about how that can be helpful to understand for coaches, both when they're marketing and selling their services, either on the web or talking to somebody, but also when they work with individual or clients in groups. Um, and I think it might be very interesting to, to just take a look at what some of these models are and people can decide if they fit and if they're helpful for their work. Sounds good. Love to hear about it. So um, let's zoom out and zoom back in again. So t where did this come from? Why did this interest start for you? Um, quite a few years ago, going back a couple decades, I developed uh, my trainer's training program. I'm known as the queen of lab profile, the yeah. language and behavior profile, which is comes out of the NLP meta programs. And a lot of people know my uh, first book, Words That Change Minds. It's now out in 20 languages. And it's all about these patterns. And when I was teaching my trainer's training, I had also been reading uh, Suzette Hayden-Elgin, who was a, uh, a sociolinguist. And she's the author of the very famous series of books called The Gentle Art of Verbal Self-Defense. Mm -hmm. yeah. But she produced one in that series on gender differences in the gentle art of verbal self-defense. And her research with men and with women showed that men and women were operating out of two very different, what she calls operating metaphors. 
And I want to give you an analogy for this. You know, we all are using a computer today, and there's some people who have a Mac and some people who have a, a Windows machine or a PC. And even though they both have operating systems that are supposed to do more or less the same thing, the people who love their Macs can't stand the PC people. And the PC people go, oh, I could never use a Mac. But I mean, there are two operating systems that fundamentally the same function. Mm -hmm. Well, an operating metaphor is kind of like an operating system in a computer. It's like, what is the metaphor of your life that kind of an, sets the rules by which you function, which is what an operating system does? Mm -hmm. Well, we all have our own individual operating metaphors, you know, that um, uh, question, uh, uh, life is like a what and you remember tom hanks in the movie oh i've forgotten the name of the movie now um, <laughs> forrest, gump. forrest gump that's it life is like a box of chocolates you never know what you're going to get so his operating metaphor was life is a box of chocolates well there are male and female metaphors and of course first of all i have to say that not everybody who is a man operates out of the male metaphor and not everybody who's a woman operates out of the female metaphor. But gotcha. as we go through the differences, people are gonna be able to see where they are in different contexts with regards to these difference, differences. And that's Ooh. why I've chosen to call the genders, instead of saying men and women, and then all the ranges in between, right? Mm -hmm. I've called it traditional male model and traditional female model. And the reason I've done that is because we have more flexibility today. More people have, uh, uh, have differences in how they operate depending on the context. So traditional male model and traditional female model. So it's just like uh, an operating system for a Mac or a PC. The traditional male model has a visual metaphor in answer to that question, life is like a what? And in the traditional male metaphor, life is like a team sport. Mm -hmm. You play to win, you need a team, hmm. and this uh, uh, and winning is the most prized things you could do, and if that's the goal, so it's okay for you to bend or break the rules. And in fact, in team sports, you try to get away with as much as possible and make sure <laughs> the umpire or the referee doesn't see you. So, I mean, like in baseball, you try to steal a base, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in this traditional male metaphor, when you zoom out even fat further, Life is a game. It's a team sport. You yeah. win some, you lose some. Yeah. You got a risk to take things and you can't do it on your own. You need a team. So even if you don't like Joe, you still need nine players on the field in baseball. And by the way, you also need a coach. And you need a coach. There's a good <laughs> insight. Thank you, Doug. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So if life is like a game or a team sport, it means that there's a bunch of rules. Um, and the, you try to get away with seeing how far you can get in order to win. Now, the female traditional metaphor, life metaphor or operating metaphor, in answer to the same question, life is like a what? The traditional female model is life is like a traditional classroom. Now, if that's true, what happens? Well, you have to follow the rules. Uh, if you work hard, you'll get ahead. If you study, you'll pass your exams. Hmm. If you cheat, you will be punished. If you fail, it's humiliating, both for you and possibly your family. 
and uh, failure is a disgrace. So if life is like a traditional classroom, everything is personal because in a game, you win some, you lose some, it's your fault or the team's fault, but it's not a personal thing, it's just a game. But when it's real, and in a traditional classroom, there are real consequences when you fail a grade, right? And real consequences when you move ahead, um, it's a whole different operating system. So now let's just zoom out for a second and stop right there. Like, imagine you have a traditional male model and you think things are like a game and you're pushing strategies to move ahead. Well, how can we get around these rules? Uh, how can we leapfrog over this? And the person you're talking to comes from a traditional female model where you know the rules have to be followed. You're not supposed to find your way around the rules. You're supposed to follow your rules. There's no agreement there. Right. Let's imagine a coach who's saying, well, let's figure out how you can play it. Well, the traditional female model person is not trying to play something. It's real. And so you can see it's a game. It's real. It's a game. It's real. What if the traditional female model person that's operating out of that at this moment has a, a traditional male model uh, coach E? Well, she's talking about how do you follow the rules? How do you use what you're supposed to do in order to meet your goals or solve your problems. Well, this guy's going, well, can't we find a way to cheat? I mean, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> what do you mean cheat? Yeah. So that you can see that just knowing what metaphor someone's operating and just listening to the vocabulary is a good hint. So like someone in a traditional male model, will talk about winning. They'll talk about strategy. They'll mm -hmm. talk about how to get around things. Yeah. Um, and they'll talk about playing the game. You got to play the game. You can't just sit on the sidelines. And all of their talk will have a game-like metaphor. Traditional female model, you'll hear people talk about what the procedure is for moving ahead. Like, what are the rules that you have to, you have to abide by? They don't say play within. They say mm -hmm. abide by. So you can begin to hear uh, things. Oh, I could never do that. That means it's real. Mm-hmm. Right, where I could try it, see what happens, then it's a game. Right. You know, so you can see it in tone. Yeah. As you speak about this, it's very interesting to me because I remember how watching a, a, a show, I don't know what show it was, but um talking about this very thing with children as they were growing up, and that in their early days, when you know, kindergarten kind of thing, there's very little difference between the boys and the girls. The aggressiveness maybe a little bit, but you know, if the if they're going to play playroom or, or story time it's pretty much all the same but somewhere you know pretty soon thereafter first grade second grade you know the teacher sitting around says um oh and what about this one and and all the boys will raise their hand me 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 and all the girls unless they know for sure that they know the answer will be very timid become very timid about raising their hand yeah i and can't remember who said that but um uh, uh a female tech entrepreneur whose name i can't remember said girls are raised to be perfect and boys are raised to be brave yeah, right. And then I, I remember seeing this rules, video. Right? Yeah, this video. This uh, these little boys would raise their hand, me, 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 and then the teacher would say, "Okay, Billy," and he goes like, "I don't know." <laughs> he had no idea. He's trying to win a game. He's <laughs> playing a different game than he thought the teacher was playing. Right. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So th that's the first fundamental difference: this operating metaphor, and that kind of oh provides an umbrella for. Uh, the other 10 fundamental differences that I've taken from research. And people keep saying, well, why do you call them male model and female model? Well, really, it's just coming back to what you just said, Doug. 
boys are still raised to follow this male model and girls are still raised to follow the female model. And of course, as we get older and more aware of our context, particularly if we do personal development uh, activities, we become more aware of the air we breathe and the water we swim in, people make more choices about how they want to be. And I think if you know about these two models, you can begin to be aware of when you do what yourself yeah. and your family and your clients, et cetera. And what kind of communications are you sending out? And are you, are you addressing the people you want to be addressing? Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant. So are there actually 10 or did you just give us 10? There are actually 11. Um, I made up 10. Oh yeah. Because I think these 10, with these 10 distinctions, you gain a lot of knowledge and a lot of capability to improve how you communicate and improve how you run your own life. If you're talking about from a, from a personal standpoint, like, so for me, risk number two is risk, assessing risk. So I like to ask people the question, if you were to define the word risk, how would you define it, right? Now, here are the differences. When I uh, do this with large groups of people, the people operating out of the traditional male model, and most of them are men, and most of the women are out the other thing, I have to say that, is that risk in the male model is seen as, well, you could win or you could lose. Hear the game vocabulary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it could be a danger. It could be an opportunity. And if you play it right, you'll get an advantage. So they're very future focused. And then people from a traditional female model go risk. Well, that's, that's a danger. You got to try to avoid risk because it's dangerous. And what we could lose our house or we could lose our savings. And they're very present focused about what we could lose, what we, we could lose what we have now. now. But if you stand back and think about the whole notion of risk, you do, need, you do need to look at the dangers and what you could lose, but you also need to look at uh, what you could gain. You could as- assess both the present dangers and future opportunities, right? If you're doing it correctly. Well, so you have a couple, um, she's operating on a male model, let's say, and he's operating on a female model. And she says, look, we got to invest in this. This is the only way to get ahead. We can't just keep leaving our money in stupid savings accounts with no interest. We got to go put it somewhere. And he goes, well, yeah but, yeah, but that's what we're counting on for our retirement. What if we lose that? Right? You can see the conversations happen. Sure, yeah. uh, so who takes the chances? Well, traditional male model folks take more chances. Now, interestingly enough, female entrepreneurs don't borrow as much money as male startup entrepreneurs. Hmm. And in fact, they're more, they t- because, and I think it's because of this, and the 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 research that's out there shows and some of the studies show that that actually puts their companies in a better position uh, for building long-term value because they're not, they haven't got so much uh, debt, right? Um, And I also saw from the same study, a a couple of stats that in terms of startups, um, and this was an Australian study, 17% of male-owned startups failed versus only 11% of female startups. Hmm. startups Mm -hmm. right uh but there's another problem and that is how uh, men and women are perceived and and i think this in terms of risk if you're coaching anybody who's an entrepreneur this could be really important for them or if you're in a startup maybe you're starting your coaching practice this could be uh, something to think about Um, female entrepreneurs according to harvard business school study own about 30%, 38% of all businesses in the U.S., but they only get 
2% of all venture capital. What? 38% but they only get two? Well, oh. it turns out from this study that when they listen to the questions that investors ask female-owned business owners versus male-owned business owners, when they're talking to men, they ask them how they're going to win. You can hear the game metaphor, hmm. how they're going to achieve their goals. And they tend to ask the women, how are you going to avoid failing? Really? Yeah. If this goes wrong, how are you going to deal with that? And so in this Harvard Business Review article, they said, here's how you deal with that as a woman. And I thought this was a brilliant strategy. They're going to ask you a problem-based question. And if anybody's read any of my work, you know, you have to go to the bus stop of the person you're talking to. And then from their bus stop, invite them on the bus. In other words, you don't just ignore the question like mm -hmm. politicians do. I'd like to ask you about sewers. Well, I want to tell you about airplanes. No, <laughs> you don't do that. You go to their bus stop. You briefly start on how you would avoid or prevent the problem they raised. And then quickly shift to the goal and how you're going to achieve the goal. So you go to the bus stop and then you do that because if you stay in the problem focused realm, the investors don't see you as their kind of winning entrepreneur, <laughs> somebody who knows how to play the strategy, how to win the game. Right. 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 And you can hear the game metaphor still coming. Right. That's so awesome. it's a very good thing to, to listen to when you're working with entrepreneurs, like what, how are they, uh, talking about their enterprise. And I think people operating out of that female model could use a bit more of the male model with regards to risk and risk taking. But if you don't know that these two models exist, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, then, then what are you going to do? No, it's really true. The, the thing about it, is, as you've pointed out, is just knowing, knowing that these models exist, whether or not you're male, female, but you could be operating from you know, one of these models or the other of the models, but knowing that they are both there means you can ask the question, which one am I coming from? And, and, and is this I, the most appropriate one to be in right, for right. me right now? Because it's contextual. This is not personality. Yes. We exactly. do different things at different times, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're going to be, you know, my wife and I were listening to um, the ultimate retirement guide by Susie Ormond mm -hmm. uh, and talking about investing and, you know, having, you know, cash at hand or investing in or whatever, you know, of course there's going to be risk when you invest something. There's also risk of not investing it. Um, the risk of it just sitting there and not doing anything is, is a risk too. There's a lot of people don't evaluate the risk of doing nothing, but that's a right. choice, right? Yeah, exactly. What's the downside of just, not changing anything. What's the upside? Yeah. Right. right. The upside is I feel secure because I know this, but the downside is I could be losing a lot of money. Exactly. So it's really great to be able to ask the question because then you can say, oh, that's, I don't know. Let's look at this. And then you can examine which is the best strategy for this particular situation. Right. Yeah, great. Now, a lot of coaches awesome. today in the era of COVID, post-COVID, if it ever gets to be the era that we can call post-COVID, <laughs> um, have to deal with people who are very stressed out about their work. Mm -hmm. uh, all everybody's work situation has changed. You know, if you've got kids at home or who have been at home, if you've got, you know, your spouse at home, everybody's working from home, driving each other nuts. Um, there's a lot of stress to do with work. And so the third difference, and, and when I'm with groups, I actually ask them these questions. So how good does your work have to be? And you might be even able to guess what the answers are traditional male model good enough has to be good enough you know uh, my job is to get 
a promotion, uh, like my goal is to get a promotion. And if I spend too much time on too many details, nobody cares. And I'm trying to get people, you know, get it out there. They can see I got results and move on to the next step. Traditional male model, because I'm trying to win. I'm trying to get up in the ladder. Uh, Traditional female model. Well, it has to be perfect. If a job is not done right, I am going to look bad. Like Mm -hmm. I talked to uh, an executive director of a technology uh, association and she keeps redoing her subordinates work because they do good enough work. And she says, we can't have this, like you can't send something out with a mistake in it. So she spends extra hours and is totally stressed out trying to make it perfect. Well, you know what? There are advantages and disadvantages to spending too much time in the details. Advantages, disadvantages to good enough versus it has to be perfect. Um, I have to say that when I opened my technology company, uh, I have a technology startup. We've been a startup for 10 years now. I don't know. Can you still call us a startup? <laughs> I'm not really sure of the definition. Maybe, maybe we should be called didn't get off the ground quite yet company. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we developed a software that automatically decodes the motivation patterns in somebody's email and somebody's text. Really? And coaches you on how to answer. What? Really? So it's very cool. Yeah, I can get wow. uh, If you go to libretta.com, that's like L-I-B retta.com you can uh download it for windows uh we've also just put it into office 365 so so, um it's also going to be in chrome soon so anything you open in chrome will also be available so mac folks can do it but when i was developing this we were working it's an art it's an ai app that uh we have two u.s patents for how we decode from people's language uh, on this and uh, I was working with German AI computational linguistic scientists to develop it. And in Germany, my, my husband's a German engineer. Uh, in Germany, one of the cultural values is got to be perfect. So here are some guys operating out of the traditional female model. And in fact, just about every German I've talked to has memories of being shamed at school for not being perfect. Hmm. And in advertising, you see the word perfect everywhere in Germany. Hmm. And so... I was having head-bagging arguments with these guys because they wouldn't move on to the next step in the development of our tool because this one wasn't totally perfect. Hmm. And so I ended up having to confront them and say that if we don't work from a definition that we need to define of good enough, go to the next level, we'll never get to the point where we have a product. And they finally bought into that because they, you know, they realized we, we can't do anything if we have to keep going for perfect. So that was an example where I was operating out of more of the male model and then more of the female model, right? And the problem with perfectionism, it means you've lost the overview. As a leader, this is devastating. If you're down in the detail on the last 1% trying to get it right, you've lost the big picture. And on the other hand, if you're doing slapdash work that has to go out to clients, your reputation's at stake with that too. Mm -hmm. The question is not one is right, one is wrong, is when do you need to get into male model? Mm-hmm. When do you need to get into female model? That's great. And to have the flexibility of going back and forth to be able to do that. And, and I think the awareness helps the flexibility, as you said before. Uh, uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is so, so fascinating. So I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's listening to this podcast saying, well, I'm a coach. I've got both men clients and female clients. I've got people who might be 
male operating from the female paradigm or vice versa. Um, how do how do I use this? How do I use this as a coach? You know, what's, how do I step into this and actually use this as a coach? One so how to use it as a coach? Very practically. Step one, when you are talking to your client, can you hear which model they're operating from? Are they operating from traditional male model? Are they operating from traditional female model? Are they trying to be perfect and get everything right? And they, they know that the consequences are real and they tend to be more earnest when they're in female model. Mm-hmm. And in male model, they're quite happy to play around with a few ideas, right? Because it's a game. Is it real or it's a game? Step one, what model are they operating from? And then step two, what is the nature of the issues they're grappling with? Does it have anything to do with a conflict in these models? They're expected to be strategic and high risk takers and get out there and make it happen. Whereas that's kind of not how they've been operating or vice versa. They've been told to stop screwing around or whatever the word is and get down to work and do do a proper job like i'm just giving two examples yeah, yeah i get it yeah. is the issue that they're grappling with or the goal that they're trying to meet is there any conflicts because this is something you can share with your client and say you know there's a couple of ways that people operate mm-hmm. and let's look at what you're trying to do and where you're coming from because this can actually uh give you some more insight about what you need to do beautiful Beautiful. So it's very practical. Love it. Great. Is um, there what's the fourth one? The fourth one is how do you feel when you need to do something you've never done before? So Doug, can I put you on the spot? How do yeah, you feel? Please. You've never done something before. Never done it. How Give do you feel when you gotta do it? Yeah. Um it really sort of depends. If it's something like skydiving I've never done before, then I'm scared as can be. And I'll and I will definitely put myself in the hands of somebody that I consider to be an expert in it to make sure that I'm doing it right enough at least to survive the the experience. Um, if it's something else like maybe cooking or recipe I've never made before, then again I will be very nervous about it. But I will I will find somebody to, that I trust who will give me some pointers and uh, and just go for it. Okay, very interesting. So. In one example, it's more traditional female model, and the other example, it's a little bit more uh, male model. And and I think it's on a sliding scale. I notice I said a little bit more this, a little bit more that, because you could be somewhere on that continuum. I just want to say when I when I when I jump out of an airplane, I want to make sure that parachute is packed right. Oh, because it's real, right? The consequences. Oh my goodness! Real. (laughs) Yeah, this ain't no game. Thank you. Okay, man. Come on, way down. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, in traditional uh, male model, uh, especially according to some work done by Henning and Jardine, is that men will do trial and error. Let's just try it. Let's see how it goes. If it doesn't yeah. work, try something else. Yeah. Game. It's not real. Let's just play with it and see what happens. Right. Well, that's when I'm thinking about cooking, that's exactly it. You know, it's like, I don't know. It'll, I'll, I won't yeah. die from it. It'll just tastes different than maybe it should but and let's take a work example what if you have to do something for a client that you've never done before how to what's your reaction then oh well then again it sort of depends on if it's something that seems really you know real or if it's something that isn't um, necessarily quite so consequence something important Um, for your client that you've never done before but you agree to do 
I will, I will do an awful lot of research to make sure I have it as right as possible. And um, how are you feeling as you're starting this new thing? I'm very nervous as I start the new thing. Yeah. Because in the traditional female model, a couple of things go running through our brains, all of us, whether you're male or female, but when you're operating out of this model and you have to do something brand new, number one is I don't have any evidence that I can do it. Number two, how will I look or well, how will I let the client down if I fail? And for sure, it's not going to be perfect. And so stress, 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 anxiety, right? Right. Because one of the things that people forget in the traditional female model, I may never have done X before, but there's some components of X that I probably have done before. Mm-hmm. And, and we get so worried about not being perfect that we forget to program ourselves based on our successes. And we start programming ourselves based on our failures. So we, in the traditional female model, when it's something new, we get a real learn. like, what if I can't do it? Whereas in fact, um, what's helpful is to zoom out and go, well, heck, I've done ABC. Mm-hmm. How different is that? And to remember how you've overcome challenges and remember how you've succeeded at things. Yeah. Um, and that reduces the stress and the worry. But the stress and the worry come, is, it comes from a good place. It comes about caring about the other person. It comes about caring about y- yourself and your reputation. These are all good things. Yeah. We need to program ourselves to have more confidence and less stress and anxiety. And I have to catch myself. When I've been asked to do something completely new, usually to do with technology, uh, my first gut instinct is to freak out. Mm-hmm. That's not particularly helpful. <laughs> so I have to go, Calm down. You have managed to learn quite a number of things in technology. You're a fairly high sophisticated user as users go. You've done it before. Maybe it's possible you might be able to succeed at this in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, with regards to technology, some of the research shows that men keep playing with technology going, I wonder what else it does. I wonder what else it does. <laughs> and, and women go, would you stop playing with that? <laughs> and they tend to know to only learn the thing they have to learn right. because for them, it's not playing. It's all real. And right. so I would invite um, people operating on the female model with regards to doing new things. Imagine it is a game for a little while. Reduce your stress level. And now it sounds like I'm saying up to now, like it's more stressful to be in traditional female model. The answer is yes, it is, but it has advantages. And we'll see that with a couple of the other differences. And in the male model, it's less stressful, but it can end up being very manipulative. All you're trying to do is break the rules and get around what you're supposed to do. So you can get to where you want to go. That can be very manipulative. So Mm. there's upsides and downsides to both of these. And uh, that's why I want people to have choice going, oh, I should get into a female model here, right? Or I should get into male model here because it'll serve what I'm trying to do better. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of like NLP techniques. If I'm learning mm-hmm. it, I don't know, like I, if I didn't know, let's say, for instance, how to do core transformation, which up until a few years ago was true. I had never done it before, but then somebody wanted to do it. I said, okay, well, let me get the book and figure this out and okay, let's try it. Uh, but we did it. And I'd known I'd done a lot of other NLP things before. So I knew basically what to do and that it would be okay, ultimately. So but I'm also thinking yourself terms- going back and forth on the continuum about yeah, yeah. that particular incident. Exactly. The male model. Yeah. yeah. And then and then coming to terms of things like music, because I, mm-hmm. I was a classically trained pianist. 
So you know, there's a right way to, to do these things. There's there are right notes, and there are lots of other wrong notes. And then there's within that confine of the right notes, there's also a lot of you know expressions of the different ways you can do the right notes. It can be right in a lot of different ways. Mm. And then um, part of my I guess male game playing is like, well, how different can it be and still be acceptable? You know. Because then there's innovation. It's a it's a broke, broke, broken rule now, but if you do it often enough, then it becomes a new way of doing so it. So that's one of the advantages of male model is feeling the confidence to play around with stuff and not just follow what's been done before. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage. Uh, that one of the disadvantages is cheating on your accounting. You take it too <laughs> far, right? Yeah. Do we have to follow this rule? Can't we clean this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. It really was income, said the man from Enron. It was income. It was made up income, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, indeed. So, <laughs> well, things can go too far. Yeah. Now, I've got 10, but I'm thinking we can maybe cover a couple more. And um, I can, I, I actually have a free online training about these fundamental differences. And I can uh well, give you a QR code just, or URL. Yes. I don't have right now, but I can get Please. Yeah. How do okay. we get that? Stop right there. Free is good. How do yeah. we get stop one? No, wait. Oh, I'll, I'll have to give you uh, a URL or a QR code that takes you to URL where people can sign up for the whole uh right. free online training. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you very much. So yeah, we'll be sure to have that before this um this airs so people yeah. will be able to get it. Oh beautiful, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you, I don't know if you want to edit this little section out, but and I'll no. just begin. Uh, you want to leave it in? Okay, fine. It's in. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be perfect, and you're just goofing around. What's with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, we can edit if you prefer, if you really want. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I want it to be perfect or not. <laughs> anyway, leave it in. This is more yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. I've switched models again. You can hear that, right? Very good. That's good. So let's do five, six. I want to give you, uh, I'm going to do two more. So uh, what do you say to yourself when you make a mistake at work? You're asking me that question. I'm going to ask you, what do you say to yourself when you make a mistake at work? Um, It's it's not really a, a PC. I say things like, oh, oh, poop. (laughs) <laughs> are you upset yes yes i am i am upset if i make a mistake at work i mean i don't beat myself up too much but yeah well, what do you say to yourself what do you say to oh geez that was stupid something like that mm. yeah and again there's two differences in the traditional classroom model um what people tend to say is oh my goodness i made a mistake and they really dump on themselves at an identity level, as we say, you know, mm-hmm. you are an idiot. What an idiot you are, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and then they have to talk themselves out of, you know, bashing themselves over the head metaphorically uh, because they feel terrible and they, you know, it's personal. They take it personally. Yeah. And then and in the traditional male model, we went, oh, well, I made a mistake. I didn't expect it to be perfect. Both of them fix it. But one group goes through self-castigation first and the other group goes through, oh, well, who cares? I'll fix it. You know, no big deal. So their boss may be saying it is a big deal and they're going, I don't think it's a big deal. You know, I mean, you can see those kind of conflicts as well. And uh, there's an Australian research study that I was looking at that said 44% of women um, exhibit 
a lot of self-criticism, women entrepreneurs, and only 34% of men, because nobody else but me is using traditional male model and female model, mm -hmm, but 34% mm -hmm. of men uh, were self-critical as entrepreneurs, but 44% as women, like a 10% difference. Yeah. How do you lower your stress? In this case, take a step back and say, how does this event or this mistake actually give me useful information that's going to help me do what I need to do. So again, zooming out. And I think as coaches, one of the things that we help people do, because we're not down in the hole with the client, that's not helpful. Then you have two people in a hole, right? Right. You're not throwing them a rope and then trying to pull them out of the hole. You're looking down in the hole. You're checking if they're ready to actually do something about the hole. Cause some people just want to keep digging. Right. Mm -hmm. And you say, so are you ready to come out of there? And then together you build a ladder that the person can climb out on. Right. Now you can see that it's a very visual metaphor. And I think that a big chunk of our role as coaches is to help people zoom out and see the bigger picture and see how is this information useful for me? So maybe at first I need some healing and some grieving over whatever is happening wrong, or I need some inspiration. But then as things are happening, how does this help me? And coaches got to help people zoom out. That's right? great. That's and great. if you're working with somebody who has a traditional male model, you need to help them zoom out to what I want to talk about now. Because I think that um, there's a couple differences that they could really benefit from having more of the female model. And one of the questions that I ask people that comes from uh, some of the research by Henning and Jardine was, how do you decide how you're going to behave at work? Or how do you decide how you're going to behave with your clients? So, Doug, if I were to ask you that question, what, come, what pops up? What how do up? I decide how I'm going to behave with my clients? Yeah. Uh, so I don't even know how to answer that question. I just... Um... I listen to the clients and feel what's best for them. I think mostly. So you do something different for every client? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So that's somewhere in the middle. Cause the first thing you said is I don't even know how to answer this question. That's traditional female model. What do you mean? I don't decide how I behave. I am who I am. Right. Yeah, right. You take me as you leave. Like I listen to everybody. I'm respectful. Okay. That's very traditional female model. Uh, you did somewhere in the middle after that traditional male model, which was more than what you said is, well, I figure out what the other person wants and I give them that <laughs> female model. I am not a hypocrite. Why would I change my personality and be someone else? That's just manipulative. Well, if you don't, if you're not flexible, because they see it as a good thing, yeah. uh, then you never get anything done. And you can see authenticity and real relationships are really important in the traditional female model. And here it's still a game. Figure out what you're supposed to do and do it. Like if it's my boss, you know, I mean, figure out what they want. Make sure you give it to me. Get my hand slapped. Okay, I'll try something else. But in the traditional female model, it's based on who am I authentically? How do mm. I want to show up in the world? And so when the upshots is that rapport is really important in teams that are run in the traditional female model, that we authentically have a relationship. And in the traditional male model, yeah, rapport is helpful. It's nice if you have friends at work, but it's not necessary. Hmm. So there's that whole authenticity thing. And now you can start to overlap this with uh, the generational studies. 
which generation tends to value authenticity more? And of course, we're, you're, you're using huge umbrellas, generalizations, but you can begin to use these concepts to understand what's going on. If it's important that we have a genuinely good relationship for us to work together, because it's real and the consequences are real, that's very different from you need 11 people on a team. doesn't matter if you like Joe or you don't like Joe. It's nice if you like them, but who cares? Right. Right. So you can begin to see who's more into authenticity. And one of the reasons I believe that we now are asking for more female type leadership is the games playing only goes so far. And if that's taken too far in toxic male environments, as we call them, and you get cheating, you get, you know, cooking the books, you get um, games playing with people's real lives. If you get too much of the traditional female model, there's not enough risk taking. Mm -hmm. So you can see zooming out, you can begin to really understand that there's value to both and disadvantages to both. Absolutely. It's, it's zooming out for sure. And it's also having both paradigms to ask the question about, because if you didn't know that there were two, you wouldn't know, what am I comparing this to? What question do I ask to say, is this right or is this the right paradigm to, to That's go? That's right. And you know, one of the other things that we uh, look at in um, my online training is uh, what's your leadership style? How does traditional female model and traditional male model show up when you're a leader? What's your approach to career? Do you have a strategy? And each of these um, uh, each of these models uh, can predict how you're going to behave, right? Mm-hmm. So as a coach, you can even begin to understand how people are likely to behave. Uh, which do you prefer, competition or cooperation? Which is more motivating? Huh. Uh, what's more motivating and exciting for you, being respected or being liked? What are the upshots of that for how you're a leader or a coach? So these are some of the things that we we look at uh, in these 10 differences. It sounds just, I mean, I know we're running out of time, but this, I, I really want to know more of this. This isn't a book yet, as you said, is it? It's not a book yet. It's, it's all in my brain and it's in various sundry pieces of paper, but I have done uh, an online training uh, to talk about it for sure. And, and how do people find out about your online? Okay, I need to send you the URL. So I'll okay. send you the URL or the Q okay. code. And you can give it to people. It's a URL I'll send you. And they can go there and sign up for the free online training. So that's, yeah. That sounds uh, incredible. And just before I let you go, because I know time is running out, I don't want to be respectful of your time. Um, your first book was Words That Change Mind. That's right. Change Minds. And um, it's about the lab profile that you said is sort of a descendant of NLP or a derivative of NLP. It's a derivative of the NLP meta programs. These are the patterns that motivate you. And the lab profile is short for language and behavior profile developed by Roger Bailey. And it's about what are the triggers that motivate you um, and how they change by context. So are you goal? Are you looking for a goal? Are you trying to get rid of a problem? And believe me, most clients, not all of them, uh, seek out coaches because they're trying to prevent or solve or fix a problem. And most coaches' websites are too goal-oriented. So they're not at the bus stop of their clients. So this is one of the things I talk about uh, in Words That Change Minds as well. So. Wow, that sounds great. So good. Yeah, so there's two other, uh, two other opportunities. One is our software for people to have a look at at libretta.com. And I have a free smartphone app that some people may or may not like the name of, but it uses these 
patterns, these motivation trigger patterns. Yeah. And the if you go to husbandmotivator.com, you can get a link, <laughs> download an app either on iOS or Android to get a free app that will help you motivate your husband. And yes, it works on wives and bosses and children and customers and clients, but it's designed for women and men with husbands or Just boyfriends. Husbandmotivator.com. Yeah, all one word, husbandmotivator.com. And it's in the... I, I don't know how I feel about this, Shelley. I, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, I think it's the best. It's one of the best apps you should have had as a, a wedding present. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife's pretty good at the motivation part. I don't think she needs an app. Don't, don't. Well, can I, I want to tell you a, a story about the development of this app. Uh, when it first came out, I was invited to speak at the German Speakers Association annual convention. So these are professional speakers from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. And I gave a keynote uh, on these patterns. And at the end, you're not really supposed to do this, but I did it anyway. Here are the male model. <laughs> I promoted my brand new app, Husband Motivator. And people laughed and giggled, thought it was funny. Well, at the end of the day, they had a satirist who comes on and makes fun of all the speakers. And his name's Dale Irwin, and he's from Chicago, and he's a crusty old guy. He's hilarious. He talks like he's drunk. I don't know if he's drunk. He just sounds like he's drunk. Anyway, he's <laughs> leaning on the podium there on the, on the platform, and he says, and then there's that Shelly Rose Charvet woman with her husband motivator app. Doesn't she know that if you want to motivate your husband... It's either sex or food. So if you're not going to have sex with them, make them a sandwich. You don't need an app for that. So I'm in the back of 400 people who are killing themselves laughing. I'm laughing and I'm crying because I just spent $40,000 getting this app <laughs> developed. So I'm crying at the back there. And you know, he's right. We don't need an app for that. But it was a very creative period in my life. And now you'll see if you actually go into your app store or the, or the Android store, it says, have you tried using sex and food and you still can't get your husband to do it? <laughs> and we got the app for you. <laughs> That's brilliant. What do you do if the so sex and the sandwiches do for that brilliant marketing? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And the big secret about the app that I don't want you to tell everybody. It's, it's secretly safe with me. No yeah. one listens to this. Thing. No one listens. <laughs> you can have as many husbands as you want in the app. <laughs> great. Well, that's that's really good to know, Shelley. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And I'm just curious, how many do you have in your app? Uh, I've got quite a few because I use it as a demo. <laughs> I, you know, stick it in and I have an iPhone and I put it on the screen and we go through it. But, you know, some coaches have actually been using it as a guide to uh, getting one of getting their clients to understand what's motivating the other person because the app is context dependent. Right. Right. So even if it's not your husband, you can think it's somebody else. But what context is it? Is it about your home relationship? Is it about family, work and career, finances, health? So you pick a context and a subcontext and you can save it right in the app so that you've got uh, the information you learned and it gives you a four-step motivating method customized to the answers you gave about the person. So mm -hmm. it's a great tool to use for coaches just to take people through thinking about 
who is the person that they're trying to communicate with and what's important to them. Wow. Now I can see where that'd be really useful. You know, I'm sure it's similar to the fact that it's um, a male model or female model, but I'm sure the husband motivator, you could just put your wife in there too. And it wouldn't matter because, because women are motivated by things that are similar, aren't they? Um, so really, it's, it's 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 going off your lab profile, is it not? And then you that's correct off the language and behavior profile, the lab profile. Yeah. So that's really brilliant stuff. So because you know one of the things that's a challenge for coaches, I think in general, is that motivation, getting their clients motivated to do certain things know, come out of that hole, you know, whatever it might be, but to get them to be motivated to do certain things is, is 90% of the, of the job, it seems like half the time. Yeah. And, and, and it's a big challenge because uh, people in their sessions nod their heads and go, yes, 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 of course. And then they go home and continue doing what they've always been doing. Right. Exactly. So one of the things for coaches to learn how to do, and I talk about this in my book, words that change minds is uh, what's the process for like future programming like so that the person can program themselves to have the same kind of motivation they appear to have mm-hmm. um, in the coaching conversation. Hmm. Interesting. So if people want to find out more about this, they can go to words that change minds.com. That's my website. You can get my book on Amazon. It's if you get the ebook, I think it's about $2 us and the paperback book is regular, normal, whatever price that is 18 mm-hmm. to $20, but mm-hmm. Um, I, I now read a lot on my uh, uh, tablets and my uh, because it's easier for me as a traveler to mm-hmm. take this around. So we've priced the ebook at the no-brainer price. Just get the book and start reading it. But we also have the audio book available, so people can uh, listen to my voice if they want to <laughs> on the audio book. Yeah, nice. And there's that. There's a lot of free stuff there too, isn't there? There's there's tests you can do, lab tests and things that you can do it. Um, on my website, you can find out what your own lab profile is. It's called test your influence and what's motivating you in the context of work and how do you tend to influence other people and where, where are your growth uh, potentials? So that's free also on my website. So words that change minds.com. Cool. Well, we have perhaps inadvertently, but nevertheless, um, very really uh, left a little cliffhanger here because we only got through what, six of your yeah. 10? Yep. Yep. And so I suggest people go to the online training and and get the rest. But even just keeping the idea of when am I or other people operating out of the traditional male model and the traditional female model is going to put you in a position. Now I'm going to speak for both models. This will allow you to get ahead and really find ways to be more effective at helping people and understanding and developing yourself. And uh, I think it'll help you win. And on the other hand, it's also going to help you have more authentic relationships with the people that you work and live with, because you'll have a deeper level of understanding of where they're coming from. Sweet. There I was speaking out of both sides of my yeah. mouth. Right? <laughs> it was very effectively. And you could do that in French too, I'm assuming. En français, en, en espagnol también. So there we go. Not nicht, vielleicht in Deutsch, aber ich glaube nicht. Yeah, so not quite yet in Deutsch. Yeah. Not quite, no. But I, was, I knew what you were saying. <laughs> gosh thank you so much for being here and and people i'm sure will be flocking to those various websites and and um, oh thank you girl. very much doug i'm so glad that you were interested in this topic because it's I, I think it's an important topic oh it's so. great it's fantastic thank you for, for your time appreciate your being here it's nice to get to know you doug yeah you too thanks 
Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.